Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneurial Podcast. My guest today is Don Shepard. Don is a Canadian-born American entrepreneur who started his entrepreneurial journey many, many, many years ago. So he started his career working for a big corporation, and as an executive in that company, he was transferred to the United States. He ended up staying there, became a citizen in the U.S., and then he left to found his own company, which is Shepherd Associates. He ran Shepherd Associates for about 13 years before he eventually sold the company. And then he later, you know, after having the entrepreneurial bug, you know, bite him, he decided to find the L.A. Football Club which helps children learn the wonderful game of football and also teaches them the valuable life skills such as leadership, teamwork, and um, good sportsmanship. He recently launched Shepherd Properties, which is his real estate investment company, and he's the author of the new book titled Dividends of Decency, How Value-Based Leadership Will Help Businesses Flourish in Trump's America. I'm pleased to have Don on the show today to tell us a little bit more about his life, his business, his experiences, and of course, what value-based leadership is all about. So Don, welcome to the show. Oh, Chief, thank you. I'm so delighted uh, to be with you today and eager to talk uh, about my story and how it might help others. So Great. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure, Don. So Don, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I've, I've given a broad overview of your background, you know, coming here <laughs> to America to launch a company and just being successful. And I might add for, for, for emphasis, Don did all this. He achieved all this without the benefits or the hindrance of a college degree. So, Don, tell us a little bit more about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? <laughs> <laughs> it's so wonderful. And I will, I will tell you this in summary and then start back again. It is so hard to be successful anywhere in North America today. Mm. And um, uh, it requires a lot of traits and attributes I'll talk about in, in, in a bit. But... Um, let me take you way back, and then I'll come back to the college degree part. But mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in Sudbury. It's a mining town in northern Ontario, uh, a tough place. And um, I, was, I was one of eight children. Uh, we were basically uh, poor. My father's a miner, but we didn't have uh, uh, running water uh, and all that stuff. And uh, it was a, uh, a tough life. I wanted, I decided as I was going through school, I entered the ninth grade at the age of 12, um, and um, I decided I wanted out. I didn't want to be staying in a mining town, working in the mines. I wanted something better. And um, and uh, so uh, that strength, uh, uh, desire, motivation, just like a, a, a child from the inner city wanting to get out mm-hmm. and uh, and succeed in life, that was that same motivation. So that's what got me going. And what I did is I started into a job um, – uh, that paid $37 a week was with an insurance company, mm. uh, but it was white collar and it was a start and um, uh, uh, went from there. And there are certain attributes that um, uh, you had to have to uh, be successful in, in that arena. And uh, I'll talk to that in a minute, but I want to just do a quick summary for you. Yeah. I didn't have a college degree. I also had no money. I had no connections. I was as rude from uh, from Canada. Um, but college degree, did you know that like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and others, 
don't have a college degree? Yes. Because they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, a survey re- recently said that the majority of business owners in America don't have a college degree. Mm. It's not the it's not the panacea people describe it, especially uh, certain undergraduate degrees and certain schools. It, it's a uh, now I have two children. Mm-hmm. They have undergraduate degrees from Duke and uh, graduate degrees from Harvard. So I'm not talking about <laughs> speaking against college. It's mm-hmm. uh, just uh, it's not required to be successful. Yeah. Um, so um, am I going on too much? Uh, no, 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 no. Keep going. Okay. No, you're okay. good. Okay. 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 Here's the key. Uh, uh, the first key, and that is that first job. Uh, someone chooses to charge off and head into the working world and make something of themselves. Um, uh, that first job is critical. Now, I want to just add, to make something of themselves success, that means being exceptional. No one needs advice from me to be average. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, <laughs> you do it all on your own. That yeah. would be successful. The first job, Chi, is critical, and a lot of your uh, um, listeners know this. You need to get in somewhere where you can get some training, some experience uh, that will help you go up a ladder. Okay. And uh, that's just really, really important. Uh, don't just take a job. Uh, I could have gone and worked in the mines. It would have paid what seemed like a lot of money at the time. Uh, you don't just want a job. You want a job um, if you get paid nothing, that's okay, as long as it's providing you some skills and training mm-hmm. uh, so that you can grow. Here's the problem. If you take a first job that isn't going anywhere, um, when you want to go out and apply again for that right job, you're at the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. Because what your resume says, you have no experience, you have no training, uh, and you have no college degree, it really puts you behind the eight ball. That's the first thing. Hmm. Here's the next one. And uh, when I was 17 years old um, and I started working, I, I, so I worked in an insurance company. I had a, a, a manager that sort of took me under his wing. I've had this good fortune through my life. But he said to me one day, Donnie, uh, when people look at you, they can't tell how smart you are, but they can sure tell how hard you work. Hmm. Work harder than anybody around you, and the smarts will come out over time. It was such critical advice and it's not new to anyone but here it is um, doing things that others don't want to do uh, can't do the first is work harder than anybody else mm-hmm. uh, it's it's absolutely critical and that's um, uh, uh, the first principle then as you're in work in jobs you need to be more important to your employer than they are to you mm-hmm. um, the reason uh, I offer that bit of advice is that it gives you more options uh, to be uh, noticed, to stand out, to be a higher performer or be a performer, period, means you need to uh, be more important to your employer than they are to you. That was critical to me all the way through to starting my own company, uh, literally many years later. Um, and that just means that do, do your work uh, uh, better than other people around you to the extent that you can. Uh, you need to be exceptional, mm-hmm. and that's a, a critical, uh, critical part. And then <laughs> I'm shaping up this impossible uh, mm-hmm. life. But the next is don't allow others to shape your life for you. Don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. I know this is a common theme, follow your dream stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm being more direct. Uh, uh, don't let anybody tell you uh, what you can and can't do. 
you control that. You control by how hard you work and how good you do it, your job. And um, uh, uh, anyway, I would uh, alpha that as another uh, bit of advice. And here's the beauty of this, Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, after you're in that first job and you're performing, for the rest of your life, no one will ever ask you about your uh, degree and uh, from what school and how did you do? Yeah. The degree, the, it's only used to get into a job at the start, mm. like my son, like my daughter. Um, but it, once you're there, it's all performance. Mm-hmm. So once you get into the working world and it's performance, I mean, I ran a consulting company and uh, worked for large consulting companies. I was in the boardrooms of the largest companies in America. No one ever asked about my uh, academic credentials. Yeah. All they wanted to know is what I could do for them. Mm-hmm. And did I do it for anybody else? Uh, how successful was that? So performance is the driver. And mm-hmm. um, uh, um, so those are the keys to making it without a college degree. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have obstacles and you're going to have uh, roadblocks. Uh, uh, but it can be done. Uh, it, it can be done. Uh, and um, those are the keys to it. So um, I built up uh, now, please interrupt me, Chi, if I'm going on too long on no, this story. No but, problem. Um, uh, the, um, uh, I developed, first I, I told you, I started an insurance company. What interestingly I developed, uh, by some good fortune being transferred to Calgary, being transferred to Toronto, this is all under the age of 20. I developed, uh, an expertise in employee benefits. That's, uh, uh, by some good fortune, I ended up in that department in Toronto, uh, headquarters of an insurance company. That got me into a consulting firm um, and got me into an area uh, that, that I could control and drive. It was sales, basically, okay. business development. And um, now I was in total control of my life because I would, could always be more important to my employer than they were to me. Mm. So I developed through uh, consulting companies ended up uh, at a very young age in my 20s with one of the largest uh, uh, consulting companies in the world and um, uh, had Canada as my area. I really uh, was successful. I wanted to prove that I was uh, uh, as good as anybody in the U.S. in the company, so I took a transfer to San Francisco. Yeah. And um, uh, there uh, I ran the Western region and, and I was able to, perform in that market and do well. And so I was developing this expertise, a reputation. Uh, I left uh, the one company, went to another in the LA area as a regional vice president in charge of employee communications and um, uh, continued that path. It came to a point when, uh, now this is the interesting part, of, I'm telling you so much more that you probably, that you probably want to know, but. No, um, keep going, it's interesting. <laughs> There was a point, and literally I was 37 years old, and um, there was a point where uh, it was about to turn. I was about to be more dependent on my employer, the consultant company, than they were on me because I was about to get married. Okay. I was about to buy a house. I was about to have all this responsibility where their salary, their what they're paying me was really important because mm-hmm. I was taking on all these new responsibilities. And the planets aligned, and I said to my now wife, 
this is it. If I don't uh, get out and uh, try and make a go of it uh, uh, on my own, I'll never be able to do it because I'll be locked in. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's where it was the final driver to get out and start my own company. And I started the company with no money, <laughs> no real assets, just simply my reputation and the desire for hard work. And uh, oh my goodness, that was another journey. Uh, uh, we're all the same attributes of hard work, uh, of being better than anybody else in my field, uh, but coming up against so many roadblocks and obstacles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a whole series of reasons that I know you uh, deal with this on a daily basis about being successful in building a business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and they're real. I mean, I remember uh, driving to a client's to pick up a check going straight to the bank to meet payroll uh, and then getting <laughs> another check from another client to, to be able to pay off some of the expenses of the previous client. It was week to week yeah. and um, uh, your expenses always increased, uh, uh, but not your cash flow necessarily. Yeah. And, um, and, and then you had to get business. Uh, you had to deliver the business. You had to get paid. Oh my goodness, what a journey. Um, but here is the, inter- the, the bridge to uh, values-based leadership. Um, when, I, uh, when I started my own company, I was the same person that I was in a consulting company. And I don't want to be uh, sound immodest here, mm-hmm. uh, but I value and respect all people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I celebrate diversity. I, I, um, uh, uh, treat everyone the same way. So I started a company and brought people in uh, for who they were and what they could do, not by how they looked, mm-hmm. uh, what the cover of the book was. Um, and um, I was practicing what we now label as values-based leadership by operating with integrity, having values, having uh, 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 standards, morals, uh, ethics, um, people wanted to be part of my organization and I made them part of the, I respected them. My clients who were so important uh, to our survival, I needed to respect them and value them uh, so that they would stay with me. The vendors and and suppliers that were part of uh, uh, delivery to the client, I had to respect and value them. What I'm saying is, that's values-based leadership, the mm-hmm. win-win-win model, as I choose to call it. Mm-hmm. Understanding what causes profits, not having profits as a, as a goal or target, but understanding that profits are a result of doing business the right way. And uh, that's the values-based leadership part. So I built this business, end up with eight offices, 120 employees, really successful growing every year, making money every year on paper. Uh, and um, uh, and growing, and that's what Omnicom bought in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the only company that they had that worked in the employee communications arena, but they saw 15 years of growth, 15 years of profitability. They saw a structure. They saw loyal employees. Uh, they saw everybody working so hard uh, to achieve the same goal, and and that's what they bought. Um, so uh, that's the link. What we now call what I choose on my book to call values-based leadership, and it's also used in university teachings. Um, but what I adopt as the win-win-win model is that. 
and it's just being a good person, mm-hmm. I believe is critical to success in business. Mm-hmm. And I think people like Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Michael Bloomberg, uh, they've uh, Jeff Bezos, they've proved that. Yeah. Built huge organizations by being, in essence, good people mm-hmm. and, and uh, treating people right. Mm-hmm. I've gone on too long and I don't mean to. No, uh, let me, no problem. So, so the question is though, uh, why yeah. is it that um, companies like I'll, I'll use some names? Let's I, I think United and um, Uber because those are the two yeah. biggest ones that have uh, really fumbled yeah. in the media recently. Why is it that yeah. yet though they do have some of these um, terms that are close or related to yeah. value based leadership, but they seem to yeah. be bumper sticker philosophies for example they don't practice what they say they're going to do so why is it that companies like that still don't believe in doing business um strictly on a value-based model (laughs) you 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 just said it they don't practice what they preach the issue is the leaders she have to already um uh have values Mm. have integrity it's um uh, and if they don't, you can't write it down as a set of values, mm-hmm. mission statement that all sounds pretty, yeah. but then don't, don't practice it. And, and by the way, it's short term. Look at all the problems United's been having yeah. with their so-called uh, uh, dealing with their customers. Look at Uber. Oh, my goodness, the difficulties they're going through. It doesn't work long term. If you don't have an organization, um, uh, you'll see how they'll change leadership. And then hopefully leadership will hire more people than the right kinds of people. Um, it, it really doesn't work in the long term. And it all boils down to um, being a good person to start with. Mm-hmm. You can't have degrees of integrity or degrees of honesty. Mm-hmm. You can't pretend to care about people. People will pick it up so fast. Yeah. Uh, you can't say that you respect and value all people mm-hmm. and then not it it uh, is self-destructive. So you touched on it and you summarized it. Is it? And I, it's not what you say; it's what you do. It's mm. true with all of us, right? In every yeah. part of our life, with our children, with our community, you can use all the words you want, but they're meaningless. And that's why I felt empowered to write this book. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, speaking as a professor or as someone just making up terms or using another example i'm talking about the real world that i've lived yeah. and how it's uh, how it's been translated into tremendous success in a variety of areas including and you did mention doing something like doing the iron man in hawaii yeah uh, wow. and I, before i did i couldn't even swim uh, <laughs> a length of a pool or, or riding my bicycle across the country the exact same principles at the age of 65 apply to all endeavors mm-hmm. not just some right yes uh so I'll stop. I'll stop. Go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> tell us about a time where, you know, applying value-based leadership principles, though it might have been expensive to you or to your business at the time, it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, uh, I won't use the name of a company, mm-hmm. but I, I, I will tell you the scenario. Yes. Uh, we were hired by this huge organization uh, that had multi-disciplines uh, uh, and uh, hired to talk about how they um, uh, could get more unity amongst the leadership group and so on. And uh, 
uh, we go out as we normally would do and do interviews, uh, uh, do uh, focus groups, mm-hmm. and to try and understand what it is, what the climate is. And as we um, went through all this process, uh, what was clear was that the CEO of this organization literally uh, changed direction and mindset based on how the winds were blowing. Mm. Uh, and he talked tough, but he'd talk with one leader, one division, and agree with anything they said, and, and so on. I'm simplifying it, but um, so we came back with a detailed report that we're being paid for, and and. Uh, once we do a report, that's the that's the least uh, revenue producing uh, part of our work mm-hmm. because then the execution or implementation is where you make all your all your money. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, so the point is, we came back with this report to the organization that basically said the CEO needs to change. Okay. He needs to shoot somebody in the courtyard that's not measuring up. He's he's uh, uh, not being principled. Um, and and we gave the background or reasons and and not talking about it as a criticism, talking about it as a as a area of correction, a course of correction that would make the company much more successful and uh, harmonious. And um, uh, and we knew what the outcome was going to be, and it was we got fired. And wow. um, uh, and probably talking half a million dollars easily of fees down the road, but we get fired. So what are you about? Do you do your business to uh, uh, tell somebody what they want to hear? Or do you do the right thing that they're hiring you to, to uh, uh, tell the truth and help them become more successful? Uh, and, and that's one example. And mm-hmm. uh, was, it, was I bothered by it? Well, sure. Uh, uh, because we needed to make money to continue to succeed. And we mm-hmm. have, would then have to replace that client. But no. Doing the right thing is always uh, the better thing. Mm-hmm. And if we had um, uh, given, told them something that they wanted to hear, the CEO wanted to hear, nothing would have changed. There's nothing we could have done that would have uh, improved the company. Uh, that's an example. There are, are plenty of them. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, that doing the right thing is still the right thing to do. Yeah. And uh, uh, it may not be comfortable. And it may cost you money, mm-hmm. uh, may cost you a client, it may cost you a referral, but but it's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Who are you? Who are you as a person? Is that is that a, 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 one example uh, yeah. that you that uh, makes the point? There, there are many of them, but um, yeah. uh, doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Mm. Okay, <laughs> so now looking 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 at your yeah. book, you know, especially looking at the yeah. subtitle of your book before going into the 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 meat of the book. You said mm-hmm. how value-based leadership will help businesses, business flourish in Trump's America. Of course, we know yeah. since Donald Trump got elected, we've actually seen his um, character blown up mm-hmm. for his real character has been magnified. So now you know who he is. You know, he says one thing, yeah. he does another, you know, his yeah. um, discriminatory uh Preferences are shown for the world to see and all that. And, you know, facts and truths are not really respected anymore. And because this is coming from the White House, it's kind of setting a precedent for younger people, you know, coming through the ranks. Because if they see that you can play fast and loose with the truth and facts, then what's the point of 
maintaining principles, ethics, morals, all the things we were taught in civics class or philosophy yeah. and all that stuff, you know, yeah. all those things are going to gradually start eroding. We might not see it now, but people, children see and young people are very impressionable. And once they see that, yeah. you know, you can do anything and get away with it, then <laughs> why should we still hold on to, you know, things like ethics, morality, and principles and values, you know? <laughs> oh, see, that's so well stated. And that's why I wrote the book. I woke yeah. up the, the day after the election and it said, this is not right. And I was worried about that exact issue. And then and my book goes into great length to say, you know, you need to understand, first of all, Trump's not, a, I don't, I'm not political here. I'm just mm -hmm. talking about um, values. Trump is not a successful businessman, first of all. He's just not. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all a sham. And he's certainly not a good person. And look at what it's done. Look at oh, oh, the, the track record. And what I'm trying to say is, no, 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 no. Uh, there are companies, whether it be Enron or Lehman Brothers or Volkswagen, um, that have really gone off the rails uh, uh, because of not doing the right, right thing. thing. But yeah, and that's so that's one example. But then look at all the examples of where it's working. You'll have more success uh, through values-based leadership, having integrity, mm -hmm. having values, morals, ethics, and um, that's uh, and that's what we have to say. The book is getting tremendous reactions, yes. and um, uh, I've had some op-eds covered. It's been great. But the reason it is is people want this message. Yeah, it's a message of hope. And and uh, saying, my goodness, we we need <laughs> we need to stay with our principles. What, look what's happening in the elections, the special elections. Mm -hmm. What's coming up in November? The young people, in particular, who haven't been voting, look at them stepping up in all these movements. And um, uh, uh, from the women's march to the Me Too to the Never Again to the Enough Is Enough, and so on, people are standing up and saying no. Yeah. No, uh, we want <laughs> we want ethics, integrity to guide our uh, government and uh, our our world. So, in fact, um, uh, I, I think uh, um, we're going to have a better world as a result of so many people stepping up and saying no, mm. no. <laughs> And uh, but you you hit on it, and what scared me, and it scares others, is this the norm? Does this guy get away with being above the law? Mm -hmm. Does he get away with hiring or bringing all these people on board in his cabinet that are not the most ethical? Uh, yeah. uh, no, the answer is no, and that's what you and I mm. need to say, not being critical, saying here's a solution, mm -hmm. and that is. If you are this kind of person, this uh, uh, with values, uh, stick with it. Yeah. Be principled. It'll it'll work long term. Mm. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, so, uh, you 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 nailed the worry that is in, in the minds of so many people. Mm. Um, so uh, not everybody, <laughs> <laughs> but enough people that will make a difference. Yeah. So you just have to basically be courageous to you know stand on the grounds of the truth. And you know what? There it is. Fight, fight on the side there of truth is. and just, justice. Yeah. There it is. Nice. There it nice. Is. So as we start to uh, transition, yeah. As we start to transition towards the end of the show, um, I mentioned earlier that you are founder and president of the LA Football Club, and I know you mm -hmm. got into football 
you know, because of your son when he was young at the time. But com coming yeah. from Canada, which is a hockey country yeah. and, and American football, you know, how did you develop the passion for soccer after taking your kid? Because usually you just take your kid, you know, you watch and then go. But you, you took it on to being something else. And then you decided oh. to start an organization to bring other kids together and train yeah. them, not just in the principle of football, but in essential life skills so that they can use, you know, principles that they learn on the pitch to apply into their daily lives off the pitch. It's so, oh, it was so life-changing for me. Yeah, I didn't know soccer from anything. I But my two children got into it in AYSO and I got involved and, and um, uh, and I saw some amazing inequities, and it was that um, uh, soccer, especially club soccer, was it is uh, a pay-to-play level, and it was largely, um, and don't take this wrong, white uh, suburban kids mm -hmm. whose families had enough money to pay 2000 bucks a year to let them belong to a club. Mm. And it was the clubs that universities uh, and colleges went to to offer scholarships to kids. It's where the uh, U.S. national program went to find kids to be part of the national team. And as I was seeing this very early on, uh, I, this is wrong. We, we can't deny people opportunity simply because of money. So when I started LAFC um, from ground zero, I said money is not going to be a reason uh, to deny a child an opportunity. And um, uh, so it cost me a lot of money, yeah. but it was money well spent because I wanted, now most of these kids, you know the story, 99%, that's probably too low, yeah. too, uh, low uh, will never be professional. They'll never make money at it. Mm -hmm. But they can use it to get an education. First of all, we used it to say to a child, you can, if you can make a team, you're on the team, regardless of your money. But also, you need to keep up your schooling. We say to parents, if they're not focusing on their education, we don't want them uh, because uh, they're showing that they don't have enough discipline yeah. uh, to be good at this. So it was, you just said it. I'm not, I won't repeat it, but it's helping kids learn life values of hard work and discipline to get to work. But I wanted to get more of them into college. Okay. I wanted more of them to be focused on it and give them visibility. And um, it was so successful, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it was it was and continues. I'll literally be stopped on a street somewhere, and it'll be one of those kids is now an adult, either uh, going to college or working, and um, uh, uh, and, and and thanking you or a parent. Yeah, it was so gratifying. It was simply a matter of giving back. Yeah. Um, I had a, I was successful in, the, in, in my, what I did in building up a business, but I needed to give back. There are too many people didn't have opportunity and that's what I use soccer to do. Mm. Now, I'm going to just tell you one story. Yes. Um, I became passionate about the game because I traveled the world in my soccer development and developed a, a partnership with Chelsea, for example, mm. a, a, in England and Premier League. I went to near Milan. I went to uh, South America. Uh, um, I went to Africa, nice. and um, I got to learn the game uh, and the beauty of the game. But here's what I learned the most that was so powerful: soccer, football, in most of the world, 
is an international language. Mm-hmm. Anywhere, anywhere, when I, and this is the honest to God truth, I go to rural Africa where I went many, many times because they do plan to be there, and I would wear my Chelsea shirt. And oh, anywhere, the instant conversations and <laughs> rivalries and always in the most wonderful ways. I've sat in darkened rooms uh, where a television is run by a generator to show the Community Shield game uh, yeah. or, or a EPL game. Mm-hmm. And uh, people come up and my face and yelling at me because they're a Man United fan. <laughs> but not, not, not in a – it was always – it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, have passion about your team. Nobody was ever going to hurt me. Nobody yes. was going to. Uh, uh, it, it was this, and I would go back at it, and, it, and I loved it. Gee, I just loved it. Anywhere in the world, uh, I've gone to major, major uh, clubs and, and soccer competitions. I love the game and the beauty of the game and what it is for the common person. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's like basketball in America. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's a sport because soccer is a sport that everybody speaks. And I love the fact that anywhere, the common language mm-hmm. at any level uh, was soccer. So I'm sorry for going on in that. No, that, that, that's fine because that even reminds me of my hometown in Lagos, Nigeria, where you know, soccer is a big thing in Nigeria too. But I remember, even this is just last year, like I was driving from cutting my hair and then I saw people gathered around just on the highway watching a small TV. And guess what happened? People in Range Rovers and other kind of car, yeah. Hondas, they just parked and they all came and stood on the highway watch, watching this little yeah. man's TV. Yep, yep. It's so wonderful. There's no wars or, or killings around. I mean, there's no exception, but all those people in yeah. Lagos that stopped on the road, it's through a love of soccer yes. and the common theme they had with everybody. Yeah. It brought everybody to the same level. Yeah. I, I, that's it. That's it. I, I love it. And, um, uh, and it was, it was, so it gave me a vehicle to give back. Uh, uh, to uh, thousands of kids and uh, mm-hmm. make a difference. And, uh, 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 yep. So, that, so that's, uh, yeah, so what's, 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 what's the dream for the, um, organization as well as, uh, you know, your next adventure? You know, wh- what do you plan for LA Football Club for the next five, 10, 20 years? I, I had to, uh, I'm, I'm be brutally honest with you. I had to turn over control of the club uh, to my uh, board okay. at the time because uh, of some um, difficulty with some not not people with integrity or ethics mm-hmm. and uh, that would that were so envious and jealous of what I was doing that uh, 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 the bottom line is I gave up my involvement oh. in the club uh, and uh, I I'd spent literally millions of real dollars, yes. but I had to uh, get out because my staying there was like a lightning rod mm-hmm. and um, it was bringing way too much conflict that hurt children and coaches. Mm. I had a man who in fact was from Africa who said to me uh, one time, and I was in, in a battle for the club against a, a major league that was trying to do harm to us. And he said to me in this big meeting I had, he said, you know, uh, 
when two elephants battle, mm-hmm. it's the grass that suffers. And um, it stuck with me uh, as I went on it. Yeah, I'm standing up for principle and I'm going to take them on. I'm going to win. But along the way, what harm am I doing uh, uh, to these children and coaches and families uh, by making them a target as well? Mm. And um, it's another example of what you were asking about earlier. Um, so I couldn't allow the grass to be trampled. Yeah. Uh, 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 and so uh, I moved on. Mm. <laughs> uh, but but I, the impact I had was tremendous yes. and ongoing. And uh, anyway, I can still hear the passion in your voice, and I and I hope you are able to at least still, you know, maintain that interest and maybe channel your energies into another organization that could use your experience in this. Industry. Oh, I am. Yeah. I am. In fact, uh, I have a major uh, involvement philanthropic with a. Uh, a girls' school in uh, Kenya. Okay. Uh, that, anyway, I, w- I won't even go on. And yes, the answer is yes. I'm I'm applying the same desire to help and give back in in other ways. Great, great. Well <laughs> done, my friend. We've reached the end of the show. But uh, before I let you go, tell us about where people can find you, get in touch with you, um, buy the book, and yeah. of course, learn more about your adventures. Thank you. Well, uh, easy way to find me is at my website, donshepherd.com, where Shepherd is S-H-E-P-D-A-R-D, donshepherd.com. In the book, I really hope people of all uh, levels of experience will go and check out the book on my website, go and buy it. I know they'll love it, and uh, they can do it uh, directly at Amazon. Uh, They can go to their local bookstore in order, which is a nice thing to do to support local bookstores. Mm -hmm. Um, And... and, uh, uh, and if they do like it, I really want people to spread the word like you're doing today. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, uh, Dividends of Decency, Donald Lee Shepherd at Amazon or go to your local bookstore. Uh, I really hope people will support the message. I know they'll enjoy it. Yeah, and I'll make sure I'll put a link to everything you've just mentioned in the show notes once the episode is live and published. So with that said, Don, thanks for coming on the show to share your story, your words of wisdom, your advice, and of course, to tell us more about applying value-based principles, especially as you've codified in your book, Dividends of Decency. Wish you continued success in everything you're doing, and um, I look forward to meeting you someday soon and talking more about football. I hope so too. Gee, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, you're making a big difference in the entrepreneurial world. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.